Hi, everyone. Susie O here. Just want to let all of you know that the certificates of deposit at Alliant Credit Union are now at, for a six-month CD, 5%, a 12- to 17-month CD, 5.15%, and an 18- to 23-month CD, 4.90%. And for those amounts of $75,000 or more, just add on 0.5% to those rates. Go to myalliant.com and check it out. Welcome to the what? Ask Katie and Susie anything you want, anything on your mind, anything at all now. Right. (laughs) And look at you smile. Show everybody your pretty teeth. I have to tell you, I feel so great. I had a little bit of an ache in my jaw and I thought, okay, it's time. I was told by my dentist about maybe nine or 10 months ago that he thought there was a little crack in my molar. Sure enough, I had to have a root canal. And she's a baby, um, just I'm so you know. She doesn't really handle pain baby. well. Not at all. But I have to tell everyone, Susie, how much money I saved. I was really proud. And, and this is part of our dental plans that we love. We use these. Are you trying to take my picture off and put your picture on the no, dentalplans.com I, I love site? dental plans, but... <laughs> You know, you forget that we use Wait, you didn't tell me how much did you save? $1,018 on just the root canal. I had to have a lot of things How much would the bill have really been? Oh, it all varies, but my total bill for all the procedures, including a visit, x-rays, everything, was $2,300. And what did you end up paying? um, Well, let me do the math. Wait, hold on, everybody. Let me just uh, separate $1,282 for everything. I had two visits, actually three visits. So here's your quizzy. What? Here's your quizzy already. (laughs) What? What percent did you save? Almost 50. Oh, she got it. Ding, ding, ding. No, I'm looking at it. I saved almost 50%. You saved about 44%, KT. That's huge. That's huge. So Susie, I'm just so happy that I have no pain. My tooth is fixed. I can go fishing. There you go. We and I'm f- ready to go fishing. Ready it's to go Wahoo fishing. season, everyone. But listen, everybody, I've been telling you about dental savings plans forever, forever. And I've been supporting their efforts forever because you save so much money. So if you want to find out more about them, go to dentalplans.com. It is crazy that you do anything other than have a dental plan. Seriously. Well, anyway, okay, but that's not what this was about. Where were we, KT? Fishing. Fishing. <laughs> All right. So ask Susie and KT anything. Okay. My first question is from Adam. He said, hello, hello, hello. I'll be quick. 
Adam, I picked this because it's a really quick question. I purchased an I-bond and set my husband as the beneficiary. Mm. In the event that something happens to me, what would he need to do to claim it? Would he need to set up a Treasury Direct account? Thank you, thank you, thank you, Adam. So Adam, the first thing your husband is going to need to do is contact Treasury Direct and let them know that you are no longer with us. He most likely is also going to need to present a death certificate. But here's what's really important to understand. He will have many, many choices. And most likely what's going to happen is that if you have owned this I-bond now for, let's say, almost 30 years. I-bonds stop earning interest in 30 years. So he obviously at that time will absolutely redeem it and take all the money out. What he needs to understand, if he does do that, he is going to owe income tax on all the interest that it's earned over those 30 years. Number two, he may decide, hey, I want to keep this I-bond going. It's making a good interest rate. So then what he would have to do is open up a treasurydirect.gov in his name alone, and then they will reissue the I-bond from your name to his name. Then he will owe income taxes on all the interest that you earned from the time you bought that I-bond to the time that it was reissued in his name. Now, obviously, you're married so that your money is all combined. A lot of times when people are the beneficiary of an I-bond where you don't share tax returns, there's also the option of having the deceased person's estate pay the income tax on all the interest that was earned. Or it could be part of the person's last income tax report. So that is something that if you weren't married to somebody and you did that, then you could have it reissued in your name. And then you would only be responsible for the tax from what it earned from the time that it was reissued all the way until you redeem it. So those are your choices. Most likely, he may want to keep it. So it will be reissued in his name and he will owe income tax on all the interest that it earned while it was in your name, Adam. Now, one thing that I just want to say to everybody, you know, you have choices when it comes to I-bonds. You could either, like most people do, defer the income tax on it, just let it grow and grow and grow. And when that happens, one day somebody may owe a whole lot of income tax on that I-bond when either you redeem it or your beneficiary redeems it or they transfer it and get it reissued to their name like Adam, your husband, most likely will do. You have another choice and that choice is you could pay the income tax every single year on that I-bond, even though you're not getting that interest, but you could pay the income tax on that I-bond. If you did so, then upon your death, 
the beneficiary wouldn't owe any income tax whatsoever to have the whole thing reissued in their name. Now, I just want to mention that for two reasons. Number one, if you decide to do that, you have to make sure that all your I-bonds that you own, you pay the income tax on it every year. You can't just say, I'm going to buy this I-bond and I'm going to let it defer taxes. This I-bond, I'm going to pay annual income tax on. All bonds under your social security number either are all deferred or you pay income tax annually on all of them. But the other reason I wanted to say that is that for many of you right now that are actually purchasing I-bonds for your children or grandchildren, it may be 10 or 20 years until they redeem that bond or they become the owner of that bond. And that could be a whole lot of income tax on the interest that it earned. So maybe they're in such a small income tax bracket that maybe you're better off paying the annual income tax on kids' I bonds. Just something to think about. But that, my dear Adam, is what your hubby is going to have to do. Next question's from Laurel. You're going to like this one. Hi, Susie. Just wondering, is it best to start a plan to pay off our car as best we can and keep the car for as long as we can? Or is it good to turn cars in for upgrades and use that money for a new one? We bought it brand new in July 2020. So it's over two years old. Wow. It's just a baby. Old. <laughs> right? Maybe she could put it in one of those antiques. Our car is almost 12 years old. Right. So right? what is her question? Well, that's the question. The question is, is it best to pay off the car? Obviously, she bought it and it still has. And it's been financed. Yeah. yeah. Has money on it. Or traded it and or, get a new car. Yeah. Oh, girlfriend, please. Because she said it's the way that she said it's over two years old. That's the part that I thought you would enjoy. It's just a baby. All right. Listen to me and listen to me closely. A car is a depreciating asset. You will never, ever, ever, ever make money on a car. And a car is meant to be owned, not rented. If you rent a car, meaning you finance it or lease it, and you continuously trade in and trade in and trade in, you're continuously doing what? Paying either a lease payment or a car payment. Why would you want to do that? I don't care how much money KT and I have. We have a car. We take really good care of it. It is going on 12 years mm -hmm. of age. And even though we obviously could easily afford a new car, why would I spend money on that when my car is... Uh, sorry, Katie, our car. <laughs> I was going to say, car, I drive. I, our I'm car. Driver. So is absolutely fine. I would rather take that money and invest it and get a true return on your money. So don't go fooling yourself thinking that it's wise to buy new cars. It is not. It is not. It is not. Especially if it's only two years old. Well, you know what? I bet she doesn't even know. What? Right. She probably put very little money down. Mm -hmm. Brand new car. The second she drove it off the lot, it depreciated like 20%. Mm -hmm. So let's just say she bought a car for $20,000. Let's just say that's true. And she drove it off the lot 
that car is worth $16,000 the second that it hits the street. Mm -hmm. If she is in an accident and somebody hits it and destroys it. Bam, she lost well, if she didn't, if she didn't put any money down, let's say she bought it, didn't put any money down, she owes $20,000 on it, and now she's in an accident or it's hit, she's fine. The car has depreciated $4,000. It's only worth $16,000, but it's been totaled. Her insurance company's only going to give her $16,000. Mm, she's going to owe $4,000 on a car she doesn't even have anymore. Anyway, go on. All right. Next question is from Yolanda. Yolanda. Hi, Susie. When buying a home, is it advisable to take a mortgage over 30 years instead of 20 when the plan is to pay it off much sooner by paying that extra monthly payment? Depends if you can get an interest rate for a 20 that's lower than a 30. Usually a 15-year mortgage is half a percent less than a 30-year mortgage. And it always drove me crazy that people would say, I'm going to do a 30-year mortgage and pay it off in 15. So I say, so why are you doing that? You're paying more for that mortgage. So if you really know that you can afford to pay it off in 15 versus 30, you get a 15-year mortgage. If a 20-year has a less interest rate than a 30, you do that as well. People always wanted a longer mortgage, KT, in case they get into trouble mm -hmm. so they can reduce like their a, payments. Yeah. yeah, it's like a security blanket, but with today's rates, I'd try to pay that thing off as soon as I could. I bet you would. I would. You would. Okay, next is from Laura. Hi, Susie and KT. My traditional and Roth 401k rollovers are under the control of my financial advisor, who has been giving me advice opposite of yours, Susie. He has not been forthcoming with how much commission he is making. I really trust your advice and my own now. I feel uncomfortable because this is a family friend. Susie, what have you always told people? Don't do, do business with family or friends. I allowed him to handle my finances many years ago when I was not an informed person like I am now after listening to your podcast. It is in an account where I don't have access to personally change anything and I must go through him. So I'm in mutual funds with 2.5% fees. I want to move everything to a discount brokerage. Please, Susie, how do I do this? Please advise me on how to move this. What a shame, huh, Laura? Yeah. What a shame. Um, here's the thing. You say in this email that you are informed, okay? It's not enough to just be informed. You also have to own the power to control your destiny, which means you should not be afraid of anybody at any time, especially somebody you are paying to manage your money. And you know how I've always said that you and your money are one, right? So if for whatever reason, he isn't managing your money correctly, he isn't managing your needs, you correctly, because again, you and your money are one. So obviously, because Katie just handed this to me, it seems that you're uncomfortable saying anything to him, like you are afraid 
to say, guess what? I want to transfer my account. So what I would do if I were you is I would go to a discount brokerage firm, Fidelity, Schwab, I don't care where you go, TD Ameritrade, wherever you feel comfortable, open up an account and have them transfer. They'll contact that person who handles your money and transfer it from that account into your new account. And most likely it will be able to transfer with whatever you purchased in that other place. It will transfer what's called in kind. You don't have to have it sold just to transfer it in cash. That's what I would do if I were you. However, you are never, ever, ever again to make a mistake of you can't touch your money unless you go through somebody or where you feel that they're taking advantage of you. I don't think so. Two and a half percent fees. Yeah. I've told all of you, you are never to pay more than 1% in fees. And that's only to a registered investment advisor who is actually managing your money for you, not mutual funds. Mutual funds, you should pay at most half a percent. As an expense ratio, maybe 0.8%, but no, you know, many of them are Mm 0.04%. Also, if you're going to buy a mutual fund, You need to make sure that it's a no-load fund, that you do not pay a sales commission on it to anybody. What is it even charging you for? I just don't get it. So you really need to make a move if I were you. All right. Okay. Next question is from Dennis. Hi, Susie. I enjoy listening to your podcast. I look forward to you and KT every week. My question is... Aren't you wondering why I laugh? Yeah, why'd you laugh? I don't know. (laughs) My question is this. Wait, can you imagine people looking forward to the two of us together? Well, they probably definitely look forward to your Saturday night, Susie, solo. No, they love your laugh. They love when you don't know the answer to the quizzy, some people. Okay. Right? (laughs) Um, Which I just have to ask something. All right, I'll let you finish and then I have a question. This is important though, because I wouldn't know how to, I wouldn't know what to do either here. So, (laughs) ready? So, Dennis says, rumor has it that Social Security is draining out by 2034. Should I wait to take it at full retirement? Since the 8.7% increase, All I'm hearing is how it's going to hurt Social Security and how the recession will make it worse. Susie, currently I'm 62 and will be 63 soon. I've held off on filing for Social Security so my payments can be higher. With the current situation with the economy, should I really keep waiting? Thanks, Susie. I have... Oh, wait. And then this is really the best part. I forgot. What? He said, LOL. It's okay for you to use this for a quizzy for KT. (laughs) What would you tell them? I think that you should wait till you get your full Social Security. You're only seven years away, right? Yes, but he's concerned, KT, it's going to go belly up. At 2034, the year 2034. KT, that's only 12 years from now. Yeah, but in seven years, he can take his full Social. He'll be fine. So, So then five years from then, the whole system goes belly up. No, I don't think it will. Well, that's what he's asking you. It won't, Dennis. Right. Now, Dennis. Don't worry. (laughs) 
You should be happy. <laughs> Here's the reason. Do you think it's going to go belly up? Let me answer his question. Okay. You want to hear my answer? Yeah, I'm curious. All right. Here's the thing. What they will do to make Social Security last even longer than 2034 is they will do a few things possibly. They will increase the amount of money, which they're doing right now, by the way, increase the amount of money that is taxable that goes into the Social Security system. Number two, they will possibly increase the Social Security age. So do you remember when you used to be able to collect full Social Security at 65? And if you just waited, you know, a few years after that, like to 67 or whatever, you got a whole lot more, right? Then what would happen is they moved it to now full Social Security for most people born 1960 or after is 67. And you have to wait till 70 if you want that little extra added amount. Don't be surprised if they don't all of a sudden move it from 67 to 70 as your full Social Security age. Mm. They can do anything they need to do. So if I were you, I really would wait. Because I think that extra Social Security is absolutely worth it. You know, you have to know that approximately from 62 till your full Social Security age, it increases about, I'd say about 6% a year. And then from 67, or your full Social Security age, till 70, it increases at 8% a year. I don't know, with markets and things like that right now, I, w- I have to tell you, I still would wait. We waited. We, we did wait, Katie, but there are certain circumstances, really, that you don't wait. You don't wait if you know that you're ill. You don't wait, possibly, if it's a survivor benefit, because they work very differently. You don't wait if you're older, you're eligible for Social Security. Maybe, you know, you're only 63 or 64, but yet you have really young children, Mm -hmm. because then they get to have up to 50% of your amount, up to a family maximum. So there are reasons why you would take it earlier but I don't think for the reason of it's going to go belly up. If it goes belly up, we will have such an uproar in the United <laughs> States, it won't even be funny. So it, they're not going to let that happen. Okay, so next question is Doreen. Yeah. Hi, Susie. Here it goes. My husband of 24 years and I Uh-oh. have been separated for two years. I could tell by the look in your face. Wait, it's harmonious. Oh, I don't think so. Wait, he's 80. I'm 64. He is renting an apartment and I am in our home. Valued at $525,000 with $120,000 mortgage. During our marriage, we were self-employed in business together and all the funds went into an IRA that had been previously established in his name. It is now around $850,000. We have in his name a three hundred fifty thousand annuity, and I have a full time job, eighty thousand k a year, with around thirty k between a cash balance and a four hundred one k. We owe thirty nine thousand on an RV; otherwise, we're debt free. We want to divorce and divide assets. 
but with the market, we feel it's better to wait until housing settles and markets rally. Should we wait out the markets or settle and go our separate ways? Mm. Hmm, I know my answer. What's yours, Susie? Bye-bye. Bye bye baby. Bye bye baby. Bye bye baby. baby. So baby bye bye. <laughs> so Doreen, here's the thing. Markets are rallying right now. Real estate is going down right now. So if there ever was a good time to do it, it's right around now. It's very possible that these markets will continue rallying for a bit. Like I've said over and over, I don't know if that's two weeks, three weeks, I don't know how long it is, but eventually it will turn around and go right back down again. Therefore, I would do it now, not just because of the money. I would do it now for your own peace of mind. For both of them. For both of them. Especially that she said that it was a harmonious yeah. separation. If you want to keep it harmonious, get rid of all the... Yeah. Do but it. You're 64 years of age. You're still really young. You have a whole lifetime, really, in front of you. Although you may not feel that way at this moment, you do. And the longer you postpone doing what has to happen on every single level, mm -hmm. the longer you are postponing owning the power to control your destiny, which seems to be the theme of today's Ask Susie and KT Anything. So therefore, do it now, girlfriend, right? Really get into your own power now. Because as long as you're attached financially, you're attached emotionally and every other way, and it will become very messy. Split, why the splitting's good. Yeah, keep it free, baby. All right, next question is from James. Hi, Susie. I enjoy your program and the financial education and insight you provide. My question has to do with the series I bonds. I have already purchased one for myself but I also will be purchasing your four must-have documents. Do I need to wait until the revocable trust document is completely done before I can purchase another Series I bond within the trust? You bet you do, yeah. because they're going to want to see everything. It has to have a name and everything. You have to do your trust before you get another Series I bond. I got to say something about Series I bonds. Because it is October 26th. Oh, yeah, end of the month. Right. And on November 1st, they will announce the official new rate for the next six months. But so many of you are writing me freaked out because you can't get in. You're trying to call them, you're getting kicked offline. Listen, millions and millions of people right now are trying to get in on this. Didn't I say don't wait till the end of the month? Didn't I say do it as soon as you possibly could? Because if anything went wrong and you needed to make a change or something, you are not going to even get close to treasurydirect.gov right now. Not even close. Just know that and there is nothing I can do about it. I don't have a special number I can call. It just is what it is. They're an archaic system that has to be overhauled. What else is new? 
but it's still the best deal in town. And if you were lucky enough to get in to this 9.62% rate, you make sure that you keep it. Don't get mad at them. Don't cash it in. You stick right with it. All right, KT. Susie, my next question isn't really a question. It's a did you know? You love did you knows. I like do you know. KT always wants me to do like did you know? A did you know section. A did you know? Did you know? My whole life is did you know? <laughs> How come you're wearing your little baseball cap today? I forgot to take it off because I was outside. I forgot to take She's it off. She's sitting here all. in this little baseball cap, right? And this blue fishing, what's that called? A buff. A buff, right? And my favorite Pernata fishing shirt. You look so cute. Thank you. You know why else she looks? I've realized why you look so different. You don't have glasses on. I'm not wearing glasses anymore. Did we tell everybody about that? I can't remember. <laughs> oh, anyway, I had a, a really cool um, procedure and eye surgery. I think we told them about yeah, it cataracts. about a month ago. Right, but they put in they special put lenses. They put in these really advanced technology lenses, which means I do not need glasses ever for the rest of my life. That's why you're looking or, so different with me right now. Do you now. like me in glasses more? No, I do get to see your Do you know that when I wake up eyes. in the morning, I reach to my bedstand for my glasses? Is that what you're doing? I still do that. Yeah, I know. I look at you and I go, what, what is she doing? doing? I do that every morning. It's such a habit. A lifetime of wearing glasses. When you get out of bed, now I don't I don't reach. There's nothing there. I love okay. my glasses. This is from, cool she has a collection. <laughs> Cool. All right. This is Mary. She said, thank you, Susie and Kate. She wrote Katie. I like when people call me Katie. Thank you, Susie and Katie, for all your terrific advice regarding freezing credit and the three big credit reporting bureaus. So if all of you listening remember a couple podcasts ago, Susie talked about the credit bureaus and freezing credit and why it's necessary to do so. The item that usually isn't mentioned is if someone dies and their credit should be frozen by reporting their death to the three credit bureaus. Now, Mary said, my husband died in 2017. I found out two years later that someone had taken his social security number and personal information to gain credit along with requesting bank loans. A smart loan officer felt something was wrong and contacted me. The three credit reporting bureaus then told me that if someone dies, their death should be reported immediately so that the deceased information cannot be used. I wouldn't be responsible for these debts, of course, but it's disturbing to the family. So you're so educating Mary, everybody. Thank you for giving us this information. You know what? I didn't even ever think of that. Mary, you just taught me something I've never thought of before. All right. Amazing. I can't believe it. You know what time it is, everybody. It's your favorite time of the podcast. Quizzy time. All right. So I have to ask you a question. And it's okay if we go a little long on this podcast. Right? Do you ever feel that I'm mean to you? No. Sometimes you are. <laughs> No, you're not. I don't ever feel like you're mean to me purposely, but sometimes it sounds like you're mean to me. But do you ever feel like I am? No, you just get frustrated because I don't pay attention. 
She's not mean to me, everybody. The reason why I'm asking. Somebody wrote to Susie. A few people said, wrote and said, said, don't be so, so mean, mean to, to KT. And I'm like, what are they talking she's, about? She's not mean to me. Trust me, she isn't. She just gets frustrated because I don't pay attention enough to her. Advice. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Are you ready? I'm ready. So for, I like the quizzes, everybody. All right. So for all of you, just know that, right? Also, I have to say one other thing. I just do, KT. A lot of times I ask KT a question, and maybe I've gone over it four or five times, and KT doesn't know the answer. And again, somebody wrote in, and they said, KT, KT, you should know by now, by now you, you should, should know, know the answers answer. to these, right? It was now, Roth. I just want to it was say, a Roth, everybody. I just want to say something. Roth. Roth IRAs and how they work may be one of the more complicated investments out there because there's all different kinds of rules, regulations, and you can ask financial experts questions, and I promise you they would not know the answers to them. So don't go getting down on KT if she doesn't know an answer to a question that you think she should know the answer to. But to defend that listener after 20 years, don't you think I should know? No, actually, I don't. Okay, well, there you go. You'll know when you, you know. But All right, what's my quizzy? All right, Let's anyway. See if I know this one. Can you tell I was bothered by that, everybody? <laughs> well, what's my quizzy, Susie? I come to KT. Don't go attacking my KT. I can tell you that what's right now. What's my quizzy? Hi, Susie. This is from Amy. I was wondering, is the interest sitting in my I-bond accounts earning interest at some point over the years or only the principal that I put in? That's the first part to the quizzy. There's a second part. So the answer is everything that's sitting in that account is earning interest. And how is it earning interest? So I put in a bond. We bought a bond, KT. You know, we're annualizing, making right now 9.62%. So at the end of six months, it's going to make about $481 for us. What happens to that $481 of interest? <laughs> I think it, well, there we go. The famous laugh is back. There we go. Don't, that's, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> it's looking at your face. It's looking at her face. It doesn't get combined with the other. Does it? Yes. All right. So, get, so it's now you combined with the with what you put in your principal. So your now you have ten thousand four hundred eighty-one dollars. Yes, so that's your new. And I does bond. all of that make interest? Yes. Ding 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 of ding. Of course ding. it does. Why wouldn't it? Well, Amy wanted to know. <laughs> Amy, of course it does. Yeah, I bond interest compounds semi-annually. That's why it's a great deal because it's such a big compound. Right. Yes. Got that. <laughs> All right. But All right. the second part is, if it's not, would it be allowed to take out only the interest and we invest it somewhere where that would earn interest? But it is. So it says if it's not. 
but it is earning interest. So that second half of the question. Just throw it out. Yeah, it's not, it's not valid. It doesn't right. make sense. So Amy, it's not nice that she said that, Amy, right? It's this. You cannot take money out of an I-bond the first year, no matter what. what. Years two through five, there is a three-month interest penalty. So you wouldn't want to take it out. Number two and number three, you don't need to because it is making, making interest. interest. All right. Okay, I got that one right, everyone. A ding, ding, ding for KT. <laughs> but KT, yeah, I'm never mean to you. No, you're not. She's never mean to me. Right. So just stern sometimes. But that's my, that's who that's I am. That's her nature. I get slap downs all the time. You think you get a Susie slap down? I get KT slap downs all the time. Because it's something, you know, she's either frustrated or she has to make a point or she says, you know, you weren't listening. Yeah, and you know, wait, wait, can I just all tell you something? And you know what KT does when I do that? She starts laughing <laughs> uncontrollably because she thinks it's so funny. And so really within then a minute or two, it stops. And it's like, okay, now what were we talking about? Yeah, we we don't we're not the two we're not the kind of people that get mad at each other ever. Well, we'll say that. But anyway, <laughs> that's okay. All right. We don't stay angry. All right. So Susie That was a good podcast. It was. All right. So Saturday night, I'm gonna talk about inherited IRAs and a change that has happened with them. I might talk about IRA rollovers versus IRA transfers. I may talk about Social Security, and I'm definitely going to talk about treasuries, what I think is going to happen with interest rates, why I think that's going to happen, how to buy them, and go over all of that, and probably a little bit about the stock market. That's, that's what I've been thinking. Anything you want me to add to that? Yeah, pour yourself a glass of wine, everybody, and have a good time on Saturday night. Do you think we can contact those people and see if we can get the rights to the song and have them rewrite it? Another Saturday that night. That one. And I got no. lots of money. No, I want it to be, and we all have lots of money. Yeah, we should. Let's, let's, let's rewrite that. that song. All right, everybody, in the hopes that one day everybody has financial freedom in their lives, financial independence in their life. May everybody always own the power to control their destiny. And until Saturday, there's only one thing that we want you to remember when it comes to you and your money. And what is it? Girlfriend. You're going to stay safe, strong, and secure. Secure, secure, secure. And wish us luck tomorrow morning. It's our Wahoo Day. Here We're going we fishing. Go. It's going to be a great morning to fish. All right, dolls. We will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman is acting as a certified financial planner, advisor, a certified financial analyst, an economist, CPA, accountant, or lawyer. 
Neither Suzy Orman Media nor Suzy Orman make any recommendations as to any specific securities or investments. All content contained in this podcast is for informational and general purposes only and does not constitute financial accounting or legal advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and financial advisors regarding your particular situation. Neither Suzy Orman Media nor Suzy Orman accepts any responsibility for any losses which may arise from accessing or reliance on information in this podcast. And to the fullest extent permitted by law, we exclude all liability for loss, damages, direct or indirect, arising from the use of this information. The must-have documents discussed in this podcast are legal documents created by a lawyer and distributed by Hay House.